are are you ready, James? <sighs> oh Jesus Christ! Again? Not directly in the microphone this time, oh, homie. You nasty motherfucker! Yes, indeed, I am. Yeah, everybody, oh, welcome to Horror Vomit Ish. <laughs> yeah, got you good, didn't I, you son of a bitch? I don't need a I don't need energy drink anymore. Jesus Christ, that heart check. Oh. Yeah, so uh, we still ain't talking about movies because the writers and actors still aren't getting paid. Mm-hmm. So fuck them. And now I heard uh, a bunch of the other tradies are getting into the mix now, too. Yep, I heard that uh, Marvel's special effects have unionized. Absolutely, which is about time because that's where some of that. Hey, you know, we're making all this money and oh, we don't have to pay none out. They are the biggest offenders of abusing yeah. their employees. In so, fact, the skewed numbers of how, how many billions they make to how much they pay out. Is mostly because of Marvel's inflated marble, Marvel's inflated uh, not paying. Yeah, they fuck them. Yep, fuck them all. So uh, we've been doing just kind of general interest stuff. Me and James bring something that uh, we either wanted to talk about, probably something that we like. Mm-hmm. Bring a little positivity and some sunshine. Yeah, or or this week we can talk about something that's very important to us that we feel has been uh, neglected and not talked about, especially among dudes. So, uh, who, who's going first? I forget what order we... I think I went first last time, my dude. Oh, well, then I wanted to talk about something that you and I know inside and out. Granted, to everybody listening, we don't discuss these before we come together in this, uh, this union of podcasting. Mm Mm-hmm. So, James, it's something that you and I know very, very well. Mm Mm-hmm. Something we use every single day. Mm-hmm. Something that lives in your brain. Oh, dear. I wanted to talk about depression. Oh, you know, okay. Fucking weird. I'm talking, my, my whole podcast today is going to be on mental health. Ah, so so we can just have a big, big old fucking round robin, homie. Here. Hell yeah. Because uh, I, I wanted to bring this up because uh, it's it, absolutely, I don't keep track of the days, but... It just hit two years without uh, even a drop of alcohol. I'm over two so, years. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, so, it's not so much that, like, it's not that kind of depression, but you and I have discussed this before, of just a general underlying depression. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just kind of wanted to get into how that feels to us, what we do about it, how you get around it, and how you can actually kind of use it to your advantage here and there. Okay. And, and, and since... um. Since both of our topics are comorbid, as it were, I wanted to talk about um, the fact that it's not talked about, uh, especially uh, uh, men of an age. We don't talk about our mental health, and we are more apt to make fun of things and step on things and say, hey, you know, tighten it up, because we are one giant mass of anxiety and mental illness. Mm -hmm. But we somehow give the appearance that we're together, and that's somehow okay. And that these kids just got it wrong and talking about their fucking problems, what's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that I wanted to just say on the topic of depression, and I I don't know if you'll agree or not, Mm. but it's a feeling that I've had for a very, very long time. I get really mad at anybody who ever has said like, well, I don't understand why anyone would kill themselves. Mm. Really? Because I fucking get it. <laughs> I 100% get why somebody would do that. And mm. if you've never thought about it, I, I don't want to say what's wrong with you. Because mm. that's probably a good thing. Good thing, thing yeah. But it, it's one of those things that, like, I, I nobody's, like, committed suicide around me recently. I haven't been thinking about it or anything. But it is one of the, pretty much the end outcome of depression, if, when, if and when it gets bad enough. But I, I just kind of wanted to talk about um, when can you really tell when a depressive state is kicking in? Because I can absolutely tell in myself because I, I, I mean, it's the general, I lose interest in everything. Mm-hmm. And then I get mad at myself because I'm not doing the things that I am interested in. Mm-hmm. But then when it's time to do the things, I don't want to do them. And that it's a really, really escalating spiral. And I see I have added into that. I have an added anxiety because I have, I can get the same thing. Um, my anxiety is also that I have, um, task avoidance disorder, especially if I'm asked to do something. And that even goes into my own brain. If I'm really excited about it, I will avoid it. 
and it, I can't stop it. I can't make it do anything different. It's just the thing that's there. So I've got the task avoidance and I can't tell if it's the depression or the, the ADHD or the autism or whatever the fuck it is. So I get like these, when I get that low grade, I would say for me, like the low grade depression right. where, you know, the first thing drops for me again, is self-care interest yep. in anything. I just want to close off and just fucking be in a dark corner under my bed for 10 years, you know? And I, I kind of have almost the opposite of, uh, what you would think of a, as of a lot of, uh, in like clinical depression. I don't sleep all day mainly because i don't have time to so then i start not sleeping as much yeah but also depression can be turned into i know coming from a a background of depressed people is like the the mental image is the person who just wants to lay in bed and sleep all day and like i don't because i know i can't but the opposite end of that spectrum too is the people that work 70 hours a week because their life is so fucking miserable that that's the only thing that keeps them going, that work. There's no joy in it. There's no nothing. You're plotting because at least you're not at home sitting in your mess. You're outside sitting in your mess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I totally get it. I didn't mean to, to block that, but i just adding to it. Yeah, and I start not sleeping, which I get very, very irritable. And then I start really pushing uh, the people closest to me away. And it's... I think it is really important to recognize when that is coming on because I don't know about you, but what I do to kind of break depression a little bit is forcing myself to just go take a shower. Mm -hmm. Go take a shower and brush your teeth. Okay. Well, you did that today. Mm -hmm. It's fine. It can go for a couple days, but after a little bit, take a shower, brush your teeth. And I think that's one of the first things that I can tell like, Nope, this is getting bad. I need to do something good for myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I... That's kind of interesting because we, I would like to discuss before we even talk further about this is the question of degree. Because right. as a person who has, what's the word I'm looking for? Where you go to the doctor and they tell you you got the thing. Yeah. As a person with that. Diagnosed. That's the word I was looking for. With diagnosed issues. God, I forgot the point. Oh, yeah. I, and as a person who's prone, who used to be very, very prone to anger, you know, I get, I used to get incensed. I've got ADHD. I forgot my keys. Fuck you. I'm depressed. I sat in my car for 10 minutes. Fuck you. You know, but I have to stop and think about it, too. We talk about degree. If you've never been depressed, we talk about those people that don't understand suicide, okay? Mm-hmm. If you've never had that kind of hurt, if you've never been hurt that bad, you've lived a life where just shit was just generally all right, and you're upset about stuff, you can invent upset if you want it. So that depression that you're feeling is as real and as hurtful to you as my deep depression, and I had to stop questioning degrees, but I also want to say... When we talk about depression, we have to also differentiate between diagnosed clinical or dystemic or that type of thing and depression as most of us experience it. Right. And I, 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 I don't know how to go about because, as we'll get into later with your thing, I can't really afford a lot of mental health mm-hmm. services, especially being somebody who doesn't drive yes. and has a pretty much packed schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like the one fun thing that we do every week that I definitely carve out time for. Mm-hmm. But just causes, like what causes all of this? And I, I honestly, it, it sounds like a real millennial or whatever bullshit thing to say, but poverty, mm-hmm. I, that has been a, a, a constant throughout my life is always, always being poor. And not always, like, destitute, but never, like, comfortable. You know, I have, in my life, two times, been comfortable, comfortable. One when my mom remarried, and I had lived in a, a manner to which I had never, ever in my life been accustomed. You know what I mean? I went from shit to two parents in the house that weren't constantly drunk. Whoa. 
and uh, somebody that would actually pay attention. Hey, James, why aren't you in school? What, how did you know I wasn't in school? Because I fucking saw you not go to school. <laughs> Be- because we're having this conversation right now. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? How did you? <laughs> but and, and then I had a few things. I had a new pair of shoes that were mine. I had clothes that were mine. And then I'd gotten out of the Navy. When, when, when I was in the Navy, I lived comfortably in that I didn't, if I would never, ever be hungry. I did not ever have to worry about eating. Right. Ever. Because I cooked on my ship. And God damn it, I had food. And if I was broke, I was broke. You know, I didn't watch TV on the ship. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And then there was a time after I had a really, really good job waiting tables at a fancy restaurant. Just lunches. I was working lunches and made enough to take care of an entire family. See, that's one of those things that like. Yeah, but it adds to having grown up horrifically poor <laughs> and yeah. living like shit. I'm, I was a junkie. Obviously, I didn't live well. And even when I was clean, I am not the type of person who, through all of my maladies, all of my mental illnesses, everything that I have, I am, and it hurts me to say, I am not capable of living by myself. Just can't do it. I, I honestly can't exist. I'll fuck up the bills or I'll, you know, just something bad will happen because I am not capable of doing that. So it's just, oh, all that's, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> sidetrack for something i forgot the point that i was trying to make the point that i was trying to make was that poverty oh really really does especially when you have lived well and then didn't and then live well again and then didn't because then you're like when you're grinding out of poverty you don't kind of don't notice it. you're moving you're moving you're moving mm-hmm. and you're still you know you're living like you're poor i will never ever even if i won the lottery tomorrow i would probably still have this poverty mentality you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like you if I come in, let's say most people, when they get their paycheck, I got my paycheck. To me, it's like, oh, I, 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 I lucked into some money, you know, because <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. holy shit. Well, I better hide this. You know, I'll put 20 away just in case I need it tomorrow. And, and, and I'm thinking about cans in my garage. And I'm thinking, I'm doing well enough at this point that I don't have to worry about the, returning the cans in my garage. I couldn't be making $100,000 a week. And there's always going to be that scared part of me. Is there food in my fridge? Mm-hmm. Is there gas in the car? Yeah. No, get the the store brand cheese. We don't need the national brand. Yeah, we're not the Rockefellers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there will always be that little bit of poverty mentality. Ugh. But the, as far as the, yeah, being poor is, what pe- a lot of people don't realize it's like, there are a lot of weird taxes in being poor. And it's not normal. It's not like you're paying a, a tax at the store. But if you have a bank and now that everything has to be direct deposit. When I was super poor, I lived at a currency exchange and I did all my banking. I would cash my check there. I would buy money orders there. Any, any, I would pay my bills there. Yeah. So the cash is what I had. And mm-hmm. when that was gone, I am broke. If I have cash, well then I get a card and you're poor, but you're, even if I'm sitting there trying to keep track in my head, at least once a month, I've got an overdraft. So I'm a $30 a month charge. So I'm paying three grand a year because I'm too poor to have cash in my pocket mm-hmm. or late fees because you're 87 cents short and they don't fucking care. Yeah. So now that's another $20. Do that another four times a year. And if you're only making 12 grand a year, 14 grand a year, you just spent three grand on late fees, four grand on late fees. You have been taxed out your ass because you're poor. And you have to live and worry constantly, constantly, like, fuck rent, fuck, uh, okay? And you working a million hours a week and just still, yeah, poverty is depressing as fuck. And a, uh, a big thing that likes to hold poverty's hand is substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And mental illness. Right. But I'm saying that a major cause of my depression throughout my entire life, or at least adult lifetime has been pretty heavy substance abuse mm-hmm. from every corner because when you sometimes sober up, you know, that once every eight months where you go two days in a row without getting super duper fucked up. Mm-hmm. And you think, man, I'm so fucking poor, but I've also, I drink every day. Mm-hmm. Where, what is the point of living this life? And it's, it, it really 
like depression's a son of a bitch, man. And especially when you get caught in that kind of spiral and it's not just drugs, it's not just alcohol. It can be any weird fucking addiction that you also have while being poor that you're trying to maintain. And then take a look at this too. If we talk about mental illness as a whole, about how much, how much that has hand in hand with substance abuse. Um, had I known had had let's say they knew about ADHD and autism and all these things that you know back in 1975 let's say and i had a lot of things available and people understood that i wasn't lazy or that there there actually is something wrong with me i i came to that realization last year at 55 oh wait i i am significantly mentally ill in in any way shape or form and my whole life I had spent going, I'm not bad. Look at me. I, I, look, I've got an associate's degree. I made Phi Theta Kappa. I did these weird. The thing is, look at anything I've sustained. My whole life is a grind, grind, grind just to do a day's work. Mm-hmm. And that's, it takes the same amount of grind just to go to, let's say, clean, clean the grill at my work as it does to write six papers at school. It's the same grind. None of it comes anything to me and it's just grind your so to pull back and just, oh god i hate that i'm sorry i get so locked into that guy i got lost in what i was saying it just, i'm just I, I get really weirded out by my mental illness sometimes i just i it it bothers me that i made it this far and never having done anything and then i realized oh i am significantly mentally ill because again i've always grinded and maintained what appears to be normal life, you know, from the outside, I look like, well, you're just kind of a weird dude, but yeah, he's all right. You know, whatever. It didn't occur to me that I really was, there really was something wrong and that I have to shift my entire way. I think because at no point in my life have I ever felt like a valid human being that I had anything to offer anything. I, I couldn't agree more. Right. So add that to, my inability to socialize and read people, my inability to focus on anything for significant stretches of time, the fact that I've actually accomplished anything should be a feather in my cap. But prior to last year, it didn't occur to me. I just like, man, I have never worked so hard in my entire life with anything ever. I've All I've done is put in 100%, and this is all I got to fucking show for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I am mentally ill. Ah. So, and, and it really doesn't help us. I mean, speaking personally, <laughs> that, you know, people could say like, oh, well, you've done this and you've done this and you've done this. Like, I don't remember most of it <laughs> because it was all soaked in fucking whiskey. Mm-hmm. So what was the point? Absolutely. What was the fucking point of all of this? And then it, I travel further down the spiral and, you know, getting older. And I I have to say that, Getting sober mm-hmm. turned my life around 180 degrees. I mean, I I don't like being that guy. If you can drink, and fucking you, a. yeah, and you can actually like live a life, mm-hmm. then more power to you. I'm not saying, and if you're a fucking dead drunk piece of shit and you like it that way, cool man, yeah, do it. That's not what that is about, you know. I, is, yeah. I do know one thing. The reason I think that I've stayed clean this time as opposed to any other time is that I've been seeking mental help. I have maintained my medication except for last month. Things happen. I have effectively worked on things now that I know what I have in the realm and and anything that's possible for me to control as far as having the ability to do it without outside help. I am presently doing because I realize Instead of fighting the label of ADHD, of autism, of any of these things, instead of fighting that label, if I embrace it, there are people who spent years figuring out how to deal with situations that you're facing. So it's stupid of me to not avail myself of any of that information. Mm -hmm. And I have found, too, especially for my oldest we have needed to avail all everybody in my family at one point or another has availed themselves of some mental help, okay? In the last 15, 20 years. And thank God for that. Let the healing fucking begin. But 
they've made it easier to access in certain communities. So, for example, carving out time is carving out time. And you, you know as well as I do, if it's important enough, we're fucking going to do yeah, it. Yeah, if, if it matters to yeah. you, you'll do it. But there are things, I don't know, every place I've ever had, I'll just use Catholic family services. I'm not even Catholic, I'm Jewish. <laughs> but that their job is to help you. They don't care if you're Catholic. They don't care anything about you. They are, you are a person seeking mental help. They helped me find uh, a side way, you know, a, a side funnel in through the VA to get that. I, they have helped some of my friends just get slide, uh, finding doctors with sliding scale. So their visits $25 a week. They have found ways to do that. And, but you know, what kills me about this is it there are roadblocks to people. There's so many roadblocks for people seeking help. Or just the idea that it doesn't occur to people that there are people whose jobs it is to help you. Yeah. And they won't even seek it because if you're depressed, the last thing you want to do is something for yourself. Or fucking talk to anybody. Yeah. That was my outlook for, I mean, I still don't really, I don't go to a therapist as Mm -hmm. it were. But, I mean, you and I have conversations about this constantly, and it is a way to get things out of us. And I do think that that's healthy, maybe not as much as going to seek actual therapy. But, again, time and money are the issue in that. Well, then let's put it this way. A group of guys are together. Last thing anybody does is complain about their mental health. Now, it's different now because I'm watching guys at my job they're talking about depression, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, these kids are 20 years old. How the fuck they know those words? I didn't even know depression existed. I just, you know, <laughs> I'd heard the word, but it did as, because none of the guys had it. Yeah. You know, want me to buy you a dress to go with those feelings, bud? Yeah. You know, in the fact that we as grown men, and we are in a society now where we as grown men can sit there and talk about <laughs> actual, like, shit man I've it's been killing me this thing or you know I've been having to put up with this for so long and I, I'm just at the end of my rope the fact that we actually have a grown person to talk to mm-hmm. <clears throat> and people will talk I, you know, I I'm I'm just read Facebook and whatever and hear all the people my age and even up in the 30 mid 30s starting to bitch about these kids and their fucking feelings and 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 who's that and why they're wearing dresses and this and that and that's like for once in my life for the first time in my life, people are actively talking about mental health issues in day-to-day conversation, and that did not fucking happen 10 years ago. No, and to be fair, I mean, the internet is one place, but I don't I don't see a lot of people, I guess, but I don't even really hear people talking about that, generally speaking, at mm-hmm. least in my area. You... you uh, Work in a, I don't want to say, urb, much more urban area. Oh, I do, though. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the fact of the matter. But yeah, I, I still see people around here because it's a very small, very white, very... Very staid. Yes, community. And yeah, I, I don't hear anybody talking about like, man, so I got this fucking thing that's going on, you know? Mm. And the one thing that I, you know, when somebody's talking to you, I, which I think is the reason that you and I have such good conversations is neither of us really has advice mm. for the other. Who are going to tell you, Hey, you know, you want to fuck up something different? Like I fuck it up. I can show you how to, I fuck it up. Yeah. But I can't tell you how to do it. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing that like, if we're, I guess, transitioning a little bit into mental health, that it, it's all right. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell somebody what they should do. And actually you actively should not be telling people what they should do. Yeah. I will tell you that if, you, if you've got somebody in your life, let's say, and you know they got an issue. Unless it's, hey, man, you got to quit doing smack. No, no, no. <laughs> but what I will tell you is, is that if there's, like, for example, there have been people who have had patience with me in my life that absolutely didn't need to. They weren't related. They weren't required. They took a couple minutes, and all they did was they say, hey, James, you're looking a little off. Are you okay? Are you okay right now? That's fucking it. If you've got somebody in your life you know is hurting or they've got something going on, you don't have to ask them what it is because they fucking don't want to tell you and they're not going to tell you. But if somebody asks me if I'm all right, you're looking a little off, 
That means, fuck, they, they took a second out of their day to give a shit about my dumb, depressed ass. Mm-hmm. You know? If you have somebody in your life like that, take that moment out of your fucking day and ask somebody that you care about that might be suffering if they're all right. Is it, you know, are you, are you all right? Hey, hey, man, what's going on? Yeah. And you know, you know that goofy dude that's always at work. <laughs> you never know what he's doing, but somehow something always gets done. Mm-hmm. Say hi to him as a person instead of calling him the goofy dude. Yeah. Make, make his fucking day. And, and you're not doing anything to, you're not doing any giant act. But 90% of the people out there, a lot of people don't even know they have issues. But if you know they have issues, it doesn't hurt you or them for to ask them. So one of the things that I, I'll, I'll go first, but w- just so you can uh, simmer on the question while I'm ranting about whatever. Some of the things that you do to kind of pull yourself out, because... One of the things that I think is very, very, very important, and actually it's something that we talk about constantly, and we have cooking. Oh. Make yourself a decent meal. Because, I mean, even if you're not a great cook, go buy some herbs and spices at a dollar store. They're generally cheap. It'll be a lot better than just microwaving your hot dog. Mm-hmm. Just put in the effort to do something small, because at least it <laughs> sounds the exact opposite but eating's not like exercise you don't have to really wait for a return and on top of that we think about what food is a when you're depressed i don't know about you when i'm depressed i eat like shit yeah i do i eat horribly if i eat it fucking all yep and then if i eat i'm just shoving my body with whatever the fuck i can accept at that moment as much as possible to spicy cheetos exactly triscuits and that's not any good. But when you start putting good fuel in, and you, there's a small sense of, especially if you don't cook. For me, my sense of accomplishment would be, fuck, I got up and got in the kitchen. But if you don't cook and you can give that little extra oomph, and that's not your usual thing, you did something for yourself. You are, A, releasing endorphins because the minute you eat, your body's lighting up because that's the whole point of you. You're consuming to make energy. Mm-hmm. You're, fi- you're engaging in physical activity, the cooking, and then when you eat it, that's all done. You did that for you. You took care of you. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is going to take care of me. Fuck, I did it. Someday, like you said, some days, if, if, I can't, if I can't get myself to the shower, I can get myself to the bathroom. I can get myself to the bathroom. I can get my teeth brushed and then wash my hands. If I'm washing my hands, I half-ass chance I might go, fuck, I'll take a shower. But I can't do anything unless I do something. So I guess I'd, my biggest thing is if you're in a point where you can kind of realize you're in depressed, even if you don't like it, do something. Mm-hmm. And TV is not something. Get up, do an activity. Because for me, like my cure for depression has always been, again, this, if I didn't have alcohol or drugs, is throw myself into work and crank the music as loud as I can fucking stand it and don't and just work angry because then it's a feeling that's not depression Mm -hmm. I'm mad why because I fucking gotta be here I could fucking be fucking sleeping music going and get a big old hate work up yeah and that's the only way I could exist I I beat up my depression through sheer hate of life Mm mm-hmm and like I said, I mean, it, it really is amazing what just putting some, like, green vegetables in you will do for you. And like said, we've already touched on, you know, take a shower, brush your teeth. Mm-hmm. Just a little something that will help you out. Drink a just, glass of water. My God, yes. Because, again, mm-hmm. I can tell when I'm really sinking into depression. You've, you've seen how many uh, Coca-Cola classics mm-hmm. are, are laying around here. Or conversely, I'll sit there and I won't even know that I'm thirsty till I piss brown. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, it comes out all thick like toothpaste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to be viscous. Nope. No, no. Better have a glass of water. Yeah, it's I, not supposed to look like I just fucking squirted scrambled eggs out of my wang. And, and I found out again. I used to think that I had just little quirks. I was just a quirky fella. Mm-hmm. No, my quirks. <laughs> all of my quirks that I thought made me me. No, they are just case in point symptoms of my fucking mental illness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's say, or, I'm a quirky fella. No, you're just fucked in the head. God damn it. 
or one of the things that I always do too, and it sounds very, very obvious, but when you're in the depths of depression and you don't want to do anything, find just like a movie that you like, something that you don't even have to move. Mm -hmm. Just make sure it's something that is one of your favorites and just force yourself to sit through it. Because I, I cannot make it all the way through Blazing Saddles and still be like upset and pissy at the end. There was there's one failsafe for me, and I finally found it. It was a Sony. It was like a Sony promotion for Dizzy Gillespie, and it had every banger from every era of Dizzy, and it had mostly that Afro Cuban with all that Latin shit that I like. And I will tell you. If I am down, 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 and I just, and nothing else in the whole world is working, I fucking put on that album. And you start to finish, two and a half hours. I may not be cured, I mean, but I can get up and maybe take a shower. I can get up and maybe make that meal. I can get up and maybe have a glass of water. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, having been in the military, and one thing they, they trained me to do, they don't give a fuck. Yep. Do it. Why? Because otherwise you're in jail and you will do it while you're in jail and you will do it after you're in jail. Why don't you just fucking stay here and do it? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So I have learned through sheer force of will and fuck you-ness, I don't care how depressed I am. If I have to go to work, I will be at work. And if I have to make dinner, I will make dinner. But nothing the fuck else in the entire world will ever fucking happen. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to me. Don't ask me a question. I do not exist. I am doing this task. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one of the very, very obvious things is either it works conversely, depending on how you are. Uh, quit sleeping or get some fucking sleep. Mm hmm. Because one of the things that will throw me off and throw me, I've already kind of talked about it, is I will sit inside my brain while doing everything else to Mm -hmm. avoid going to sleep because I don't want to have fucked up dreams. Because when I get into a real depressive state, I get real fucked up dreams and I don't sleep. See, one of the joys with the severity of the illness that I have, and just for anybody listening, when I say I have ADHD... Again, I, it's not that I miss my keys, that kind of thing. I've been tested, and the, the scale goes up to 100. I think I'm a 95 or 96. It, that's not the number you want. No. I was told by my therapist that people with that degree of ADHD generally fail in life. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're like, traditionally, they are dead from drug overdose or in jail. The fact that you got married... And are tempting uh, an associate that shows me that you got it enough together, but this isn't this is an anomaly, James. You are an anomaly. So the fa- and that really didn't I really didn't think about. It. I I tell it as a joke. Like a fucking guy told me I was fucked. Yeah. But I never really thought about the second half of that. The fact that I am an anomaly, and the fact that with the severity of what I have, I shouldn't be doing anything that I'm doing. So on the last year, I've taken some solace in the fact that, hey, myself personally, I want to either be running the restaurant that I'm working at because I know how everything works and I know how to do everything. I'm just not capable of doing everything. I don't have it. I can't do it. And I have done everything in the world to be that person. Mm-hmm. I'd be that person for a year or so. And then shit's going to fuck up. Why? Because I am not right. Uh-huh. So now instead of, I'm now learning to find, like, the position that I have at my work, I have invented. I'm good at cleaning, I'm good at cleaning restaurant equipment. I know where to look for the dirt, and I know how to get rid of it. And I know where to look where you don't. Well, you do, but you know what I mean. Most people don't. The royal you. Yes. You scumbags. Yeah, you scumbags. You don't fucking know shit. But when I go in the kitchen, I can do that. Well, the job that I was originally hired for was to fix things. I can't fix anything but dinner. I don't know how to fix things. I'm not that guy. But I found out that they needed this, and I'm really good at that. And I said, okay, I can do this, but I can't do anything else. Don't ask me to cook. Don't ask me to go on your line. I don't exist outside of this job. They agreed to that. And they want to pay me nothing. And I said, well, look, let me do this for a month, and then we will talk, because I know this position makes this much, and I know this position makes this much. 
you tell me how bad you want me at the end of this. And right. they wanted me. And they, are promote, they promoted me to the next restaurant. And I'm supposed to go to the restaurant after this one. But I invented that because I am not capable of the other part of that job. However, when I'm there, oddly, oh, somebody cut themselves. Do you know where the uh, incident report is? Why we got to write an incident report? What if it happens if it's infected tomorrow? What do you mean? I was like, you cut your finger. You're continuing to work. If there's no incident report and you're sick tomorrow, do you, what's your insurance look like? What's your insurance situation right now? Oh, and then the manager says, what are we doing? I was like, we'll get an incident report. Why? I said, because that will, that will cover your culpability. We have now talked about how the incident happened, where it happened, and why it happened. So we are now covered six ways from Sunday. So now nobody can come in in two weeks and say, hey, I got this infection. Fuck you. I want $6 million. And conversely, we can't say, hey, you fucked up our store. Fuck you. Here, give us, you know. Yeah. It's a simple fail-safe, but that's just a small example of the things that I'll bring to add value to what I do, but I can't sell that job. I have to get the job and create it, which is the difference between now I feel that I can be very, very effective in a lot of different areas without having a title. And now that I've realized that, I'm like, I am marketable, and I actually have the ability to make money, but I had to switch the entire way I thought. Yeah, and I mean, it is really hard though that if your job is a major source of depression, getting out of that and starting something new and starting over and finding whatever is fucking terrifying sometimes. I will, I will tell you what might help the general general populace out. If you work in a restaurant and you're mentally iffy, get out. <laughs> if you don't work in one and you're try it because that might be your tribe. Maybe. But for most of us who have done this job forever, except for certain positions, dude, it's not really helpful to us. It allows us to maintain our mental illness or maintain our, our crippling addictions and still work. And, but a lot of people I notice is just like a holding pattern until rehab or a holding pattern until they pull their head out of their ass and move on with their life. Yep. But there are some people like this, now that I am, kind of half-assed, as normal as I'm going to get, I am more comfortable in a restaurant environment than I am anywhere else in the world. And because there's no surprises to me there. And I understand all the shit on display because either I've done it, been there, or I've seen it a hundred times. But it's good for me now because I'm working on me. If I wasn't, that's just a, it's helping enable me to continue to do that. But now that I'm okay, it's a great and comfortable spot for me. Mm -hmm. And that's why I threw that out there because restaurants are great. If you're, if you're somewhat together and not completely on something and you're working on something, it's a great place because people are more understanding. If you need a shift cover, there's 12 people that want your shift. There, there's easy ways around things that happen to us with mental illnesses like missing work, um, having problems with coworkers, that type of thing. People in restaurants are by far some of the nastiest and some of the most accepting people I've ever met in my fucking life. Uh-huh. There's, there's very little middle ground in a restaurant. Uh-huh. And if you ever want to see absolute total wasters <laughs> that are really, really fucking good at what they do, mm -hmm. go work in, and I don't mean like a McDonald's or whatever, like... Go find a, like a decent restaurant and just get a job as a dishwasher mm -hmm. and watch some of these fucking people. Because, man, the biggest drug addicts and everybody else that I know that fucking come from kitchens. One of the best. But a lot of them are good at what they fucking do. You have to be. You know why? And I found this out. Because be, I don't want to hear about it. Not only that, but. I don't want to fucking listen to your bullshit. I'll just make it right the first time. Not only that, but the easiest guy to fire. Having been the drunk guy at every restaurant I've ever fucking been to, and that's hard to do when you know all the drunks that work in a restaurant. I managed to keep my job. Why? Because I, the drunk is the easiest person to fire. Fucking find a way to fire me. And I made sure I, I, I'd be completely disassociated with everything else. But by God, when I'm walking the fucking more and I get at your table, I could be hungover. I could be on 12, 15 different kinds of substance. You wouldn't know. Because I have waited so many goddamn tables that I can't not do it well. And that is not me going, I'm a great waiter. I'm not a great waiter. I'm a good waiter. But I am the, I'm consistent because I have to be. Because 
I'm about a sea hair away from getting fired at any goddamn moment. If they could find a way to get rid of me with somebody with less problems, they'd fucking do it in two seconds. And that's why every drunk motherfucker is good at their job. Yeah. And one of the things, too, and it's this way with almost any job, obviously, but you spend more time with these people than you do probably with your family, especially in a restaurant setting. And if you You never work with restaurant people, you are fucking missing out. And and if you suck at your job, everybody fucking hates you. Mm. Hmm. And think about waiting tables, one and one and this is, again, I, I learned this a long time ago because I got burnt out in kitchens and went to the front of the house. I am socially phobic. I have no ability to read people. I learned that all through that, right? But I learned more about human condition and human nature from the weird motherfuckers that work in restaurants. You know, you're good and bad. Yeah. I, and there's, again, no middle ground. I would trust restaurant people before I'd trust most people. It's mm-hmm. like, military, okay, I'll give you a shot. Rest- military, restaurant, fuck. I got you. What, what you need? I, as far as being mentally ill, you, if you are ever a psychologist and want to <laughs> just study people that are fucked in the head, yep. come hang out. Park it at any like high-end restaurant with a bar. Mm. I will say, and, and hang out till about forty-five minutes after closing, and watch the fucking shit show. Or even better, if you know where the after-hours clubs are, wait till three or four restaurants, like one o'clock in the morning in Chicago, and everybody's done closing, and you know Miller's Pub closed, everything's closed. Go to an after-hour, you will see every restaurant person in the city of Chicago in two small rooms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, oh my God, you've never lived until you hung out at a restaurant bar. So I guess to pivot back to the point Sorry. that we were getting to with the mental health, I I will honestly say too, one of the reasons that I have not gone and been, I guess, tested for anything, I, I don't generally seek mental health, is kind of just, I kind of don't want to know. And I don't know if that's healthy or not. Well, Chris Be- is an outside observer. Do you have certain manner, you know, do you have the accent of certain things? Yeah, you got a little, you know, you got a little bit of something, you know. But we're going to talk about degrees. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody got a little something. Right. The question degree, as an outside observer, you know, just knowing that we're both addicts, okay? You don't seem, you seem more together than most people I know. Even living the lives that we lead right. and the situations that we're in, as far as regular people go, you are the most regular person I know. So it, I think that instead of putting in, they, they, I, I guarantee you, you're going to sit down, you're going to take your test and go, well, you got like a 3% on here and a 2% on there. Maybe you should work on that a little bit. Hey, you know, you do suffer from some, you do suffer from depression. Yeah. That, and there's some chemical issue there, buddy. Yeah. There, it's undoubtable. But when we talk about the entire alphabet soup of maladies, dude, if you, you got a light sprinkling of this and maybe they threw a little bit of accent salt on that part, but you, as far as observing, you, you're, you're pretty all right, man. No, I, I wanted to just kind of like, you know, what, what are the signs that you like definitely should, I mean, obviously if you're having very intense suicidal ideations and what have you, but that's what I've never, thought that anything that I had was to a degree to where I really needed to check it out. But I honestly, there are times when I really do think that maybe I should, because I, I don't know exactly Like I have a thing where I won't look stuff up mm-hmm. just because, and like, so I don't know what technically anxiety really is mm-hmm. because I don't want to look into it because I don't want to know because if I have that, I kind of don't want to do anything well, about it. You want to know what anxiety is a lot? Uh, I'm going to scrib from uh, Stephen Wright. You ever kind of lean back in your chair and you almost fall over but don't? You know that feeling, that kind of weird? Yeah. General anxiety feel. I got that weird feeling just hanging right here because I'm not sure if I did the thing or didn't do the thing or if, um, you know, like when my ADHD gets really, 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 really horrible and I put my keys in my pocket and then I can't find my keys and then I have to be here. And that feeling is 
it feels like it's a hundred pounds and that weird, like almost floaty, just, I'm not quite tethered feeling. That's my anxiety. And it, it, it's almost constant unless I'm medicated. Even if I'm sitting down quietly and not doing anything, you see me locked in my phone. That feeling exists right here because I think I fucked something up or I think I have somehow broken some unwritten social rule that I don't know because there's a million of them. And I can't let it go and it just lives there. That's what anxiety is for me. I, I Again, I, I don't know if it's anxiety, but the, the times when I think like, man, maybe I should see somebody about something is especially when I like I have to meet new people mm-hmm. because I'm I, I, I am definitely very antisocial. I don't like being around. I don't like being in groups of people. I Mm -hmm. I really hate it. Like I can deal with a grocery store, but if it's too busy, like I will come back when it's see. Conversely, so I like large groups of people as long as I'm not part of that group. And I know it sounds weird, but let's say if I if I'm in a a different state and somebody brings me to a baseball game. I'm in a fucking huge crowd and I'm people watching. I'm doing all this shit. I am not part of this crowd. I can give a fuck about baseball. I don't know three rules. See, I don't like that. I hate it. I love it because for me, I, I don't, ex- a lot of times I don't exist as a person, like what we think of as a person here. I don't, you know, it's like a sense of actual self. Right. I don't really have a whole lot of one. Mm-hmm. So when I'm there, I, I just stop existing and just take in information, just let, everything come at me you know and it's weird shit like wow wow that how the hot dog vendor went up that row and didn't go up that row why i wonder why that is you know just weird stuff and why is that person's face like that what are they doing what what does that mean i don't understand that expression is that happier but i can do all this and not even worry about have any anxiety because none of these motherfuckers know me and nobody gives a flying fuck about i could sit there and show nobody look if i showed my ass and that's beautiful because then i don't I can just be part of whatever I'm at. And I love that. See, I, that's one of the things that like, I, that's one of the reasons that I don't like going to shows or concerts anymore. I don't like being surrounded by people and I don't like, I have a really hard time meeting new people. Oh God. And especially if they're like a friend of a friend or somebody that I'm introduced to that like, no, this person is cool. Like, Mm, don't put that kind right. of pressure on me. <laughs> but uh, I don't also don't know this person. And I have the immediate, like, and I don't want to. Well, and I like, don't know this person and, and I don't want to. I have an immediate repulsion against, like, making friends. One of the things that I like about you, Chris, is that you don't mask. No, not at all. I don't I'm think you're kind you, of a prick. And, and I love that about you. But because I have to mask in almost every situation except, like, like when we're do even when we're doing horror vomit, I've got my horror vomit hat on. Right. Okay. This is one of the few times where, and that's why I love listening to this podcast. We're doing is because there's I, there's no thought, there's no mask. I mask constantly just to get by in a day. I have to mask sometimes with my kids because they don't understand dad's mental illness. They don't understand that, so I got to be dad. Mm. So I'm constantly assuming a thousand roles during the day. So. That, that kind of situation where they're introducing me to someone, I can be charming for five minutes and then I don't have to see this fucker again. But if I see them the second time, that anxiety you had the first time, I'm like, who the fuck is this and why are they here again? I hope they didn't pay attention to a goddamn thing I said because I don't have anything else. That was my five minutes of charm. You fucking got it. Don't bring him around again. No more. I, I got nothing else. He's going to get me and I know me. Mm-hmm. I'm a lot to fucking deal with. Yeah. <laughs> But I like I have a real hard time. Like there were people over the other day. I'm not gonna name names or get into the situation, but I was, you know, not supposed to. But I guess socially speaking, supposed to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. And I have a real thing where when I kind of don't give a shit what anybody has to say because I've got my own whatever going on. <laughs> I have and, no idea what you're talking about, Chris. Right, but I have a real tendency to kill conversations to where there's awkward silence very quickly. It is a beautiful sight to behold. Yeah, because I kind of, like, I don't really do small talk. Like, I will here and there, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's been hot, whatever else. But, like, if you if it's somebody that I don't really know and they start telling me anything about their life, I immediately tune out. Because, like, dude, I have my own problems. I don't give a shit. I don't know you. Yep. 
we let's talk about James Bond first, and yeah. then we'll get to know each other as people. Because right now you're just charging in with, oh, this is who I am. Nope, shut it down, buddy, because I don't give a fuck who you are. I, I, you know, and I find it, I'm getting better at baseline, you know, baseline appearance, James. Because I don't feel the need to have people like me anymore. Because, like, when I'm masking, part of the thing about masking is I, I'm a thousand different little microtransactions every day as far as socialization. And, and, again, no clue about any of it. I've learned baselines throughout the years. But I've now the, the baseline, James, doesn't need to impress people. If you're interested in me, come talk to me. If you don't, there's baseline James. Say hi to him because I'm over here. You know? Yep. Because baseline James is something I invented a long time ago because I waited tables. And it was a beautiful thing to know, especially if you have social anxiety. Whatever that persona is can exist without me thinking about it. And so whatever weird shit has happened in my head, they still got baseline James. But baseline James now is not desperate to impress you to hang out again or desperate to show that he's a cool guy or whatever. Yep. Baseline James that, just that like... That has really faded away as age as time has gone on. God, I wish I could have been Baseline James about 25 years ago, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My life would have been a thousand, easy, thousand percent easier. Mm-hmm. Or to even know that there was a difference between me and Baseline James. Yep. God, I hate mental illness. Yeah. Like I said, I, 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 know, I know I probably have got something that's not firing correctly up there. I think the only thing but that I ever it, saw that was similar, I have what's called dysthemic per, uh, depression or I forgot. I think it's dysthemic, but basically, you know how like some people have a, like a real sharp depression, a dysthemic depression is like, if I took all the depression, put it in one big, big mattress and filled them with water and just carried it around with me all day. I just always have that baseline depression. Mm-hmm. So I can only tell when I'm depressed, if it gets way under like, all of a sudden, like you said, I haven't moved in six hours, and I need to do something. Holy fuck, I'm way below baseline. And here's a really fucking weird thing, and I don't know if it's due to depression, but I get very nervous when things get okay. Uh, yes. And that's, I, I start to slip into a depression when things are okay so that I can kind of have a reason to destroy things, to or be, when- be back to that when they inevitably, because I self-sabotage, fuck up. I've already accepted the fuck up because I didn't accept the goodness. Yep. Because goodness is temporary, you know. And it's just going to... And you know what happens when too much good happens? A bunch of bad shit comes right behind because God forbid you should have 10 minutes of good. Right. So I distrust good things. I distrust normalcy. I distrust... Happiness. Ba- yeah, the baseline. I, I, I distrust happiness, yes. Yeah, because it's, it's not normal. Mm-hmm. And because if things are always shitty, mm-hmm. then it's just par for the course. Fuck but it. when things are okay and then shitty stuff happens, which was going to happen anyway... Mm-hmm. It it almost seems devastating and then puts me right back into whatever. So I do have that very strong tendency to implode before anything good may happen. I have been holding and, it and out, it, though. But it, it, but it also does seem that a lot of times in my life where anything that like, oh, things are good is when really, really bad shit happens. Or for me, for example, it, it's taken about two years. Every... Every memory I had from certain eras of my life were 100% negative. And I thought, I had to really think about it. Was it 100% negative? And I, I didn't allow certain good thoughts to because of hatred or wh- whatever I got working on. Because I can fucking hold on to a hate forever if I want to. Yep. So because of that hate, I didn't allow the good memories or the good things to come back. You know. So now I'm more apt to say, I can look back on being married for 17 years or being with somebody for 20 20- years. And if I only stopped and thought, you'd think, why the fuck did you do that? I said, no, I had great times. I just didn't realize it because the minute I acknowledge something good is the minute it goes away. Yep. But that's not true because I probably acknowledged it in a bunch of different times without saying, this is a good thing. But, ah, had a good day. Yeah. That's not something I say. No. But I said it. I've said it a bunch of times. It didn't work out. However, that was more for other things than constant misery. It's easy to remember the misery. It's hard to remember the good because good is fleeting. Yep. And because good makes you, I guess, hurt more when the bad things happen. Yeah, it's like I was saying when I was making money and then I didn't make money. Yeah. 
when you're poor and then you have money and then you're poor as you were before with no hope of getting right back out sucks a lot. Yep. But you know what doesn't suck? Uh, telling people where they can find us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that doesn't suck God is... damn it. <laughs> the, the main thing that I, doesn't... I thought I had a hot transition there. Actually, you did have a hot transition. I just stepped on it because I was thinking of something else. No, please. Where else could they find us, sir? Uh, no, go ahead with what you were going to say. Uh, was that two episodes back when I mentioned uh, video or tabletop role-playing games? Remember that? I, I have no recollection of that conversation whatsoever, well, James. there was an agreement to play, and, and I... I have no recollection of that conversation, James. Show me the transcript. I will. I'll write it my fucking self, and you're going to see it and listen to it while I'm writing it. And uh, out of the woodwork, I was hoping for maybe my friend Jeff Ruiz to send me a book so that I can run this game for Chris. He sent me the entire series. So, Jeff... You're a son of a bitch. You are the coolest motherfucker on the face of the planet, bar none. I, I hope you are constipated. And just know that whether this motherfucker likes it or not, we get to run another game. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart, Jeff. Jeff, I hope you go from antagonize or antagonize excruciating constipation to just opening the floodgates of the poo waters. On that note. I, I hope you, I, I wish extreme discomfort for you, Jeff. But also, if anybody wanted to, they could find us. Uh, we got a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. We have an Instagram page. You can send us an email at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me sometimes uh, streaming some Diablo 4 and Ooh. some other shit on Twitch at horror underscore vomit underscore Chris. I wish I could do it that smooth, Chris. I've only done a hundred of these motherfuckers. You think one time I would not be a stuttering prick. So I, no, I, I figured I would give you the week off. Cause I have pummeled you with that question for about a year now without and taking it a single time myself. I know, but the thing is it, it surprises me every goddamn time. And I'm, well, I've, I've had about three or four where I was just like, did I just do that? Yeah. You've, you've had some good ones throughout yeah. the day, but generally speaking as stuttering Joe Pesci would stay stuttering prick. Yeah. I didn't mean to step on your joke there, but step on my joke. Yeah. I, I said the punchline before you did. I fucked up. Oh, it's fine. We all know Joe Pesci. Yeah. Stutter you know, and prick. Uh, a king among among men. Yeah. He's, he's a real four-leaf clover of a human being. And a, and a former, carry him around in your pocket. And a former doo-wop singer. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, ah, fuck. What was the name that he recorded those albums on? I was don't it Vincent, Lu- Vincent LaGuardia? Hmm. It was his character from My Cousin Vinny, which yeah, but, also, since I now have a Blu-ray player again, mm. I own that movie, and I think I might watch that tonight. Fucking love that movie. My Cousin Vinny, uh, just as we're ending this out, maybe one of the most underrated comedies of all time. Yeah, amongst the general populace, but anybody I know who knows movies or likes movies, oh. you mentioned My Cousin Vinny and they fucking gush. It's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. God, it, Marissa Tomei's so good in that movie. Yeah. So is Fred Gwynn as the fucking judge. Mm-hmm. God damn. Ralph yeah. Macchio, grown-up Ralph Macchio? I know. Well, who knew Ralph could act like that? Yeah. And he can also shred on the guitar, too. Mm-hmm. Was it Crossroads? Crossroads, baby. Where Steve Vai <laughs> plays the devil. And he also plays the blues right behind... Can you imagine how uncomfortable it have to be to be Ralph Macchio standing between Ralph Macchio and twelve feet of Steve Vai, fucking arms coming up, just rubbing that crotch against the back? <laughs> it must have been either really happy or, or a bad day for Ralph. Is all I'm saying. I, I mean, he. I'm sure he was getting compensated, not astronomically. I'm sure he's not making Tom Cruise money, but I'm sure he. Uh... <laughs> Got to uh, watch cartoons for a couple years. <laughs> yeah, I was just to say, here's a little extra money for having to feel Steve Vai's crotch up against your back. Plus, honestly, I'd have done that for free. If, I mean, yeah. so, so that I could show somebody. Have you ever watched that entire movie? I, okay, remember I told you when I was in it's the a service? a real piece of shit. We did not have personal devices wherewith to watch movies. So if you wanted to watch a movie, whatever was on Chips TV, you watched. Uh-huh. And that was, what, 87, 88? And we were, I think I was in the med at that point. There's nothing the fuck else to do when you weren't working. I think I've seen that movie about 7 billion times. Oh, man. So, I, so we are never covering Crossroads for not anything o- for any reason. Not only no, but fuck no. It's right. what, I know that movie too well to even discuss it because and then I would just be talking about lines from the movie. It would be a dodgeball situation. I can't look at that movie objectively. Well... 
James, hmm. I have to pee. I know. That's why I've been dragging this fucker so, out for 10 so minutes. So with that, I all I can tell people is I. it is our solemn promise that you will never hear us again talk about Ralph Macchio's Crossroads. Uh, well, we might. I, I mean, okay, now that it's in the lexicon, it might come up. Yeah. But I'm not watching that piece of shit. No. Unless somebody comes here and slaps $100 on this table right here, right now, I'm don't, not watching fucking Crossroads. Don't fucking say that, man, because somebody's going to send us 100 bucks and we're going to have to watch that motherfucker. I don't, uh, for 100 bucks, or for 50 bucks, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, I, fuck, if I got to watch it again, you're fucking paying me too while you're bullshitting. Well, no, no, 100 bucks each. It's going to hey, cost you 200 it. bucks to make us watch Crossroads. And that's where I <laughs> I stand, goddammit. Push the button.